where are you at with Jesus? Because because that's what some people would say about God, but like, where are you at Jesus, the resurrection? What do you think there is, if, if you had to take a, a guess, like at the industry, right? What do you think there is about Hollywood, media, entertainment, hip hop, that has this dark element to it? You know, I think in that space, people get hung up on cuss words, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. which to me is laughable. Because I feel like... Bruce Lawn. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are here with one of the biggest independent rappers out there. This, I mean, just if we're just talking numbers and analytics, this man is doing ridiculous numbers, multiple plaques, worldwide impact. And he's here with us today. He's going to be sharing his journey, his story, the man, the myth, the legend. Man! Dax. It's your boy Dax, <laughs> and we back at it like a bad habit. If you want something in this life, you better go grab it into date, baby. We finna make big play. Come on, come Let's on, go, man. come on. <laughs> I love it, bro. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Man, happy to be here. You got a flight tonight, yep. and you you took a three-hour drive to be here with us. Yes, sir. So thank you, sincerely. Thank you. Um, I've been keeping up with your musical journey for a couple years now. Um seeing you drop and pivot and do all kinds of amazing stuff but i wanted to get go to the beginning uh you are oh wow nigerian yes sir um raised in canada yes sir saint saint john's canada I was born in saint john's newfoundland yeah and um you used to play basketball at a pretty elite level i did very elite level that's yes, amazing sir. man yes, sir so uh tell us about your story man um okay the upbringing mom dad okay so let me start it St. John's, Newfoundland, 1994, a baby was born by the name of Daniel Nwasa Jr. Um, it's also my dad as well. Uh, was in Newfoundland for eight months before we moved to Ottawa, Ontario, and that was where I ended up growing up 18 years. Uh, is, this, is this far from when you were born? Like, like just literally, like, I, my mom told me, I asked her recently, like, Yo, how long was I in Newfoundland mm -hmm. for? Because I'm a, I'm a newfie, but people don't know how long I was there. So I, she said it was like eight months. Okay. And then we moved. And But how far is it on the other zone? The other side of Canada? I'm not super familiar with it. You know, me and geography don't mix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I, that's one thing I really don't know. People say North, I don't know. Yeah. I know Ottawa's East. Okay. And it's the capital. Got you. So it's it's really far. You can't get to Newfoundland. You can't drive to Newfoundland. Yeah, you got to like fly across the, the okay. water. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's a ways. It's a it's a it's a ways for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely other side of Canada. Um. So yeah. So my life was. Um, I spent the first eleven years of my life just existing mm -hmm. as a human being. Um. And then when I was eleven years old, I found the law of attraction. Okay. I was on YouTube. Uh, I used to get beat up by my older sister. Mm -hmm. I got two older sisters. Used to get beat up to get off the computer. Mm. I'm on the computer one day. I'm on YouTube, and all of a sudden, the key. That's what it was called. Mm -hmm. And it said that what you think about basically manifests. Mm -hmm. And then it gives me a test mm -hmm. in the video. It's like, try this. Think about something consistently, and then watch it start showing up everywhere. Mm -hmm. So me, at that time, my favorite car was the BMW 3 Series. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, me as an 11-year-old who's curious about life, mm -hmm. Let me try out this test mm -hmm. this video is talking about. So I start thinking about BMW 3 Series, BMW 3 Series, BMW 3 Series, BMW 3 Series. And literally it started showing up mm. everywhere. Mm. Even in places that I used to walk by every day, yeah. but I never saw it. 
you think it was just the fact that you were more aware of it kind right. of made it made it pop but up more? as an 11 year old who's like malleable to yeah. everything i'm yeah. like yo this is a superpower yeah, yeah. <laughs> like literally that's how i felt yeah. yo, this was a superpower yeah so shortly after that um i wake up on a sunday morning once again this this, this thing of getting beat is a, is a constant thing i used to get beat to go to church okay you know what i mean i still went was in the choir all these great things altar server uh and that day, I wanted, for some reason, NBA Live 2005. Okay. The one with Carmelo Anthony on the mm -hmm. cover. I remember, yeah. So I want that. My mom gets me the game randomly. Mm -hmm. It was a blessing. Um, I come back from church that day. I go to the park after I play a little bit of the game. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to mimic some of the moves I saw players doing. Yep, yep. It was at Maple Ridge, a school. Um, I go into the gym and there was kids who I went to elementary school with playing on an organized team called the Gloucester Wolverines. Okay. I saw them playing and that day I made the commitment that I wanted to be a basketball player. How old are you at this point? Uh, by that time, probably like 12. Okay. So this is fairly late. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is because kids was already playing organized right. ball at a, I mean, at 12, you're, you, they're playing at a pretty elite level. So you're coming in right, very late. Did you play any type of basketball? Even pick up nope. with the homies? Nothing. Nope. Didn't even, didn't make the team. At school. Wow. I made every other sport. Yeah. Didn't make basketball. Yeah. Didn't make baseball. Okay. Um, so I made that decision. And then I spent the next 10 years of my life dedicated to trying to make it to the NBA. Okay. And I just, I did everything. The okay. whole 5 a.m. workout. Essentially, I, I tried to mimic Kobe Bryant's work yeah. ethic. Yeah. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. You know, one of the most influential people for me. And Michael Jordan. Muhammad Ali. A couple others. But so, you know, I basically tried to mimic that work ethic and I was trying to get out of Canada. Yeah. And to get out of Canada, I was like, well, I want to go play prep school in the United States. Okay. Whole thing goes on. End up having no offers by the time I'm a senior in high school. And I didn't mm. want to play Canadian basketball. I had offers from Canadian University, but didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. So a fake basketball school gets brought to Ottawa. Mm -hmm. It was fake. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait like wait, wait. literally a, a, like a school. Uh -huh. They came, I think it was from the Bahamas. Uh -huh. And the school ended up not being real. But they they used to practice at the YMCA. Okay. And the coach of the team, we became close. Yeah. And I met him at a bus stop. Yeah. And it's crazy because my mom's very, like, you know, into God. She said, listen, don't worry about all this Canadian stuff. You can meet at a, ma a man at a bus stop that'll change your life. Wow. End up meeting a guy at a bus stop. Uh-huh. They would practice at the YMCA. I would go there every day after school. Yeah. One day we're at the YMCA. He pulls up Coach Kyle Linstead on an iPad. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, Coach Kyle, I got this player here for you. Mm -hmm. And he coaches at Sunrise Christian Academy, which is like a basketball farm, mm. you know, now. So Coach Kyle's like, hey, man, well, if you're good enough, you can come down here to Kansas and try out, and, you know, you never know what'll happen. Yeah. So I put all this money together, fly to Kansas, yeah. picks me up from the airport, you know, Buddy Heald, he plays in the NBA now. Yeah. I beat him in a shooting competition as soon as I get off the airport. Didn't miss a shot the whole thing. Wow. I end up going to Sunrise Christian the next year. Let's go. My mom was right. I met a dude at a bus stop. Wow. Crazy. Dude, that's a trip. Crazy. Now, how dedicated were you? Were you... Uh... Did you like have the jump souls and do the? I didn't have work? jump souls, but I'm, I'm I, I, I had I, bro. I had the jump souls. You had the jump souls. I was souls? OD. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, my calves were massive. I still couldn't dunk though. Wow. I get the ball over the hoop, but that was as close as I. Ask the jump souls. The, I remember those. Yeah, I would get the little workouts in the East Bay magazines and like get the DVD and like plyometrics and all that kind Dang. of. Dang. Listen, man, Armenians and genetics. It's just right. It's just a little different, you know. Okay. Calf, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So I think honestly, I truly believe in terms of like work ethic yep. i'm gonna man i'm not even gonna lie i'm gonna put myself in the top zero 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 one percent like i just i tried everything yep. and did everything i could possibly yep. do all the time thousand shots all these things yeah. so well, that happens you mentioned something interesting where you talk about 
the law of attraction, but what you what you point out that's super important, and I, and I think people can get disillusioned mm-hmm. and have gotten. I've had family members get disillusioned, and it's not just law of attraction. It's also in faith based circles where like speak it, uh, your words are your worlds, think it, your thoughts are things. Right. The dangerous part is that if you don't have the work ethic, right, you can visualize anything you want. Exactly. But if you're not willing to go and 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 do the hard grunt work of showing up five a.m. and all that kind of stuff, so there's almost it's it's almost like yes, your thoughts mean things. It's it's important what you think, and you know if you believe and you're positive, it's going to help. But that's not, that that in and of itself isn't it. You have to actually then have the bandwidth to go right. do everything you did right. and express it. And so you are maniacal at this point. And I relate to it because this this was like eighth ninth grade. I had a crazy upbringing, got arrested, oh shit, molested as a kid, like oh, wow. really 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 bad. And when I moved out here, Vista. Eighth grade, I was that. It was like oh, eighth grade, you moved out here. Yeah, I made, wow. moved out here every day. Basketball, like I already smoked, drink, did all the stuff out there. Thirteen years old, I'm like, I'm gonna be a pro basketball player. Wow. And uh, and and obviously th- that didn't work out, right? Yeah. <laughs> both, both of us. But what it did is the work ethic mm-hmm. and the men- mentality transferred over to the rest of my life. Right. You know? So, I'm sorry, go back. So, you're... And I, on that, too, you know what's crazy? I Even, like, you said, you talk about the j- dangers of the law of attraction. Yeah. I think another huge danger with the law of attraction is that people forget that, like, not only the positive things manifest, but those negative things as well. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think when I was 11, like, I remember this. That's That age, 11 years old, is just, like, the time for me. It was, like, I used to watch all these different motivational speakers, you know, Zig Ziglar, E.T., the hip-hop preacher, all these people. Mm-hmm. And I remember I watched them and it was like, you know, you got to take inventory of your thoughts. Yeah. So I started taking inventory of my thoughts at yeah. 11 years old, yep. and I figured out most of them were negative. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was I had to change that first. You were very self-aware 11-year-old. I tell people all the time, if, if they could just... That's why, like, one thing about music, I was like, man, if a kid starts listening to my stuff at yeah. a young age, yeah. they're already far ahead. So it's like, yeah. I, I was lucky enough to find that at 11, mm. so I got a head start. Yeah. On a lot yeah. of people. The interesting thing you mentioned about Zig Ziglar and E.T. is that in a lot of this stuff, so, so there's like kind of wonky stuff in that world, but then there's also stuff that Zig Ziglar, uh, E.T., the guy that actually wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which is mm-hmm. like the one of the first ones, these were all people of faith. Right. I, I met E.T. not too long ago. He's about to come on the pod hopefully soon. And all these dudes were kind of echoing a lot of the Proverbs, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of that kind of stuff. So if you go back and listen to the audio version of the power of positive thinking, which sounds very like new age, woo woo. Right. But when you actually listen, bro, it's a full on like Bible study. Like wow. it was, it blew my mind when I listened through it. And I'm like, okay, some of this stuff is just copying the Proverbs. Right. Just, it's just, it's like some of it is just pulling the same principles, but kind of not accurately giving God the credit. You right. know what I mean? That's what I feel like. I, sometimes I feel like as I get older, it's almost like the law of attraction was like glorified prayer. Because you know, a lot of it, yeah, it was could. me getting on my knees every yeah, night yeah. and praying for those things. Yeah, yeah. You know, while also imagining and asking God, like, please help me do this. Right, and right. you know? Right. So you're hooping. I'm hooping. And and you 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 make it to this Christian prep Christian prep school. Yeah. Now did that have obviously your mother's a, a person of faith. Right. Did that but you're also getting beat to go to school. So I mean church. So there's also church, some, right. some some you know, some good and bad. Did the Christian school The beating happen? didn't happen too often. No, I put that so, in there okay. just to, you know, but respect. You know. <laughs> but I think, you know, I'm I'm someone who, you know, Spare the rod, beat the child, I believe. So Yeah. Did um the Christian school have an impact in terms of your worldview and your framing about, about God and these things? Or was it just mainly like, man, this is a means to an end, I'm hooping? Um in terms of my framework about God, I that probably just comes from, you know, my, my mom and my dad. Yeah. Just yeah. I wouldn't say the school. 
necessarily did. But um, I've just always just been very strong with, like, I just look at God in a logical sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't even know if you want me to get into that, but. Yeah, we can get into that whenever. Okay. I'm, 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 I was, it was just a side note, but we, oh, okay. we're definitely going to get into that. So, um, yeah, I'm there. But yeah, the school definitely, I mean, at Sunrise Christian Academy, we had Bible study every day. Mm. You know, on Sunday, there was the the chapel that we went. Dr. Linstead, mm -hmm. who's a genius. Um, I was just with him a couple weeks ago and I was filming to be a man. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 it's a crazy school, man. And now they're, they're turning out D1 talent like, wow. uh, like a, like a machine. Yeah. So I go from there at the end of that year. Uh, didn't have any offers as well. Mm -hmm. Coach Kyle calls Dan Russell on the phone. He was at Casper College. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, hey, I got this player for you because I, I, I led the team in scoring the second team. And then I get the last scholarship to Casper College. Mm. Didn't even recruit me or anything like that. It was a junior college. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had this guy who had a scholarship uh, from Mexico, but he had already played pro. Mm -hmm. So he lost his eligibility because mm -hmm. he was already making money. So I literally got that last scholarship. Wow, okay. So I was like lucky. It was either yeah. that or go back to Canada. Yeah. And are you a guard at this point? Point guard. Yeah, I was. I was a combo guard. Got gotcha. you. Like if I was six four. Yeah. You've been two it, three. It, I, I don't even think I'd be sitting here right now if I was yeah. six four six yeah. five. Yeah. But I was like six it's two. Genetics, scoring. man. God's plan, man, right? right. <laughs> so I go to junior college. Um, when I got there, I got hurt that summer. I couldn't hit a shot. Yeah. Um, then I started studying. Dennis Rodman because he recruited me as a scorer mm -hmm. but I got hurt and didn't work on my game that summer so when I came in I couldn't hit a shot mm -hmm. so everyone was like who, what is this guy doing yeah so I start studying Dennis Rodman I come up with this diabolical plan and this is actually it's a crazy story I'm like you know what I'm gonna be the loudest person in the gym Interesting. I'm gonna talk and shout the whole practice and then I'm gonna periodically go to the bathroom I used to tell my coach hey coach I gotta take a shit <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would go to the bathroom, but if you're screaming the whole practice and yeah. you know clapping everybody yeah. on, then you yeah. leave for yeah. a prolonged period of time. Yeah. The energy's gonna dip. Uh. So all of a sudden, I would like peek in the in the gym. Yeah. Coach Coach Dan Russell doesn't know this, yeah. and he'd be like, "What's going on? Yeah. Where, where, where'd all the energy go?" Yeah. And I'd be waiting. Then yeah. I'd come back from the bathroom. Let's go! Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, I was necessary for <laughs> yeah. the energy. So I became that's the good. energy guy. Oh, that's good. Then right before our first game, yeah. we we go to this party. Yep. Something tells me to leave the party. The cops show up. Mm. Like six players get M MIPs. Oh, minor in possessions. Oh. So I had to start the first game of the season. Jeez. Because they couldn't play. Yeah. First game of the season, I had like 20 points. My scoring came back. I sat in my room the night before and prayed to God, please let my scoring and my shooting come back. Yeah. I scored 20 points. I started the rest of the season. Wow. Got a Division One scholarship. Wow. So you went from that junior college to, to the a University D of Montana to a D one, and then that was in Missoula or uh, yeah, Missoula, Missoula. Yeah, Missoula, Montana. Montana's beautiful, man. Beautiful. So, what is the experience of playing D one basketball like at this point? You're pivoting over. <sighs> D one was horrible. Okay. I got hurt that summer. Coach Tinkle calls me. He says, "Hey, man, I know I gave you a scholarship, but uh, I got a job at uh, Oregon State, so I'm going there. But if you still want to go to Montana, the scholarship's still there for you." Mm -hmm. well, I'm like, "Well, it's my only one, mm -hmm. so I'm going." Yeah. So I go there, get hurt. Uh, Travis Secure was the head coach there. It just didn't work out. Mm. End of the season, he tells me I got to transfer. Mm. Today, so with because I was wondering, I saw that you had transferred a bunch of times. Yeah. I was wondering, was that? you know because you wanted to because because sometimes there's like a politics to it right you're right. trying to move over but you it was you just had to do it right i, I had no choice it was uh i couldn't play like they would you know it's that's a whole crazy story too. and they wouldn't just honor the 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 scholarship and keep you on the team like it was like you got to transfer and bounce yeah so i walked into his room at the end of the season he has a board there 
And uh, he says, yeah, these are all the projected minutes I have for people next year. He pulls back the board. It says, Daniel, three minutes. And I'm like, wow. For the year? I, for, the, for next year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow. So I'm like, so you put a cap on my potential without even knowing. Oh, Mind you, they man. wouldn't even give me playing time. And by the end of the year, I was killing in practice and all this stuff. And I got it blo- hurt, blah, blah, blah. How, what did you get? How did you get hurt? Yeah, because I'm here. It was my lower back. Lower back, okay. Yeah, I tore a muscle in my lower back. It happened in high school, then it happened again. And my thing, I was like this: like I'm, I'm, I'm not a like I'm not gonna baby any situation. Sure. So I, if I'm hurt, I'm not about to be. Yeah. But when you hurt your lower back, it doesn't look like you're hurt. Yeah. But I'm telling them like, yo, I can't move. Yeah. 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 Like, I literally can't move. I'm right. not gonna cry about it, but I can't move. Right. And they're like, well, you look fine. <laughs> I'm like, I can't move. You yeah. know. So that was that. Then I went to Newman University. Okay. Coach, uh, D one, D two, D two, D two, D two. Coach Potter, uh, he actually does mental health speaking around America. Okay, great guy, man. Coach Potter calls me on the phone. Danny, hey man, come back to Wichita. I got a scholarship for you. Mm-hmm. As soon as he got off the phone, as soon as I got off the phone with him, I accepted it. So I go there, get a job as an overnight janitor. That's when I started writing poetry. Wow. And then the poetry thing is the first like expression that kind of got you a little bit of positive reinforcement momentum to right. start uh making more of it yeah that's super interesting man i was on our stories are very similar that i played basketball did music and then i was on the san diego slam team from oh wow like 2005 to 2006 so i'm not sure how immersed you are in the spoken word scene or or was that but like oh so i thought you were talking slam ball no no no, no slam no. poetry no, no, no. slam poetry <laughs> slam poetry slam balls is that's a trick. that's crazy no, no no slam poetry so um Back so me and uh Rudy Francisco were on the same slam team. I could never beat him in the slam. Wow. Uh he's like a big poet now and and a bunch of guys. And so we would, you know, travel and go to these slams. It's kind of weird in hindsight, like you're like doing a poem and then like holding up, you know, uh, grading you on a scale of wow. one to ten. That's crazy. You know, yeah. But it helped a ton with this stage performance and writing, mm. you know, and, and it was it was really good. So so you getting your start as a poet first usually it's rappers that then go do poetry mm. but you did poetry first and then pivoted which i could tell based on how you write your records like mm. there are these like visually storytelling pieces that could probably be delivered as acapellas right you know what i mean right because you have that poetry background exactly what was it what made you even decide to do poetry like what was it that was like oh i'm gonna give this thing a, a try so you know i have this dream of playing the nba all of a sudden, I'm at a D1 school, 20,000 kids, big stadium. We went, almost went to the March Madness. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm at D2. Mm-hmm. And it's small. The mm-hmm. sco- like I saw, I'm still on full scholarship. It's just different. Mm-hmm. You know, Newman University, small, private, Catholic, Christian, Catholic school, right? Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't the same. So I needed money. So I got the job as an overnight janitor. Mm-hmm. And that was in De Matias Hall, mm-hmm. which was the art section of the building on okay. the other half we played the basketball games okay so now i'm cleaning up after like poetry events okay plays yeah. cleaning the art room and i'm just sort of like hmm. you know so one day on the way to play the university of arkansas fort smith mm-hmm. i'm on the bus i'm listening to a song and something inspires me to try and write a rap song mm-hmm. just randomly mm-hmm. so i start writing this rap song and i look down at it and it was it was a, it was a, it was a bunch of trash mm-hmm. and i'm like wow this relates nothing to my life mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe I should try writing a poem. Mm -hmm. Spoken word. Mm -hmm. I can speak words. And at that time, I thought I had coined the phrase spoken word poetry. And I Google it real quick. (laughs) I Google it real quick. 2015, 2016. I Google it real quick. And I'm like, ah, dang. So I write this poem on the bus. And like, it's like a 30 minute drive. Okay. And I write this whole crazy poem. I look down 
And I'm like, like literally my thoughts were this. Yeah. Dang, if this is where I'm starting, yeah. there's a chance I could be one of the best to ever do this. Yeah. So yeah. I get off the bus. I walk to my teammate, Travis. I'm like, yeah. yo, I just wrote this poem. Can yeah. I read it to you? Yeah. Yeah. I read him the poem. He's like, you just wrote that? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, bro. I just wrote it on yep. the bus. Yep. He's like, bro, that's crazy. Yeah. And then I just kept going. Do you remember any of it? I, I, man, I love this. I always try. It goes like, I got it on my phone because yeah. I have all of them there. Yeah. But it goes, uh, it's so easy to see what's different when we live in a world predicated on creating your own image. Being the same is lame. And what's insane is that all fads die because acting like someone else is eventually labeled plain. They lied. There's nothing wrong with being basic. And if what your heart draws you to is considered tasteless, my friend, please remain nameless. The real truth is who we are. We must face it. Because trying to be something else takes way too much energy and there's no way our soul can sustain it. The task is shameless. And if the only reason is to become famous, we'll lose ourselves and join those who became brainless. These rankings need a real revision. New criteria separating the real divisions. What should really count is a world's depiction, a scale where a one is what you physically see and a ten are the things you constantly envision. And then there's like more. Come on, bro. And it, and it keeps going. Yeah. So it was almost like, I was like an ode to myself. Yeah. That yeah. like, yo, it's okay if you like writing yes because at this point i've been playing basketball right. you know macho all right, the right, da, da, right, da, right. and it's like i can't yeah like poetry yeah, yeah 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 and your identity is probably immersed because that's the tough part about whenever you do anything at a very elite level it becomes right the label over your life right you know so instead of like you're daniel you're the the human you know from uh immigrant parents from nigeria that it's like basketball player right you know and so that's dope man so so you start writing it and you're instantly fairly good at it. Right. How does the pivot to music happen? The pivot to music happens because like, so I write that poem and uh -huh. then I like, I write a series of insane poems. Like yeah. Dear Alcohol was a poem I initially wrote in college yeah. when I was drinking. There was another one about love, God, school, all these things. And then I had this dream one time because I started doing like poetry stuff online and dropping because I wanted to essentially be like the Drake of poetry. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to rap. I was mm -hmm. like, I just want to do this. Hmm. So... I have a dream one time because at this point, people start telling me that Tupac also wrote poetry. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, dang. And I went to go watch that Tupac movie at this like cheap theater mm -hmm. in Wichita. At, like, which, Town which one? The, rest, the documentary? Or no. The, um, his life story. The one that's titled one of his songs, All Eyes on Me. Mm -hmm. I go watch that one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Law of Attraction. I start thinking about Tupac, finding out he also wrote poetry. Mm -hmm. I have a dream with Tupac in it. I also had a dream with Michael Jordan in it mm -hmm. because I was basketball and that was this. And it was basically like... If you want to make an impact, essentially you're going to have to put these poems in a song because they have more replay value. Yes. So I wake up and I'm like, that makes sense. You know, like people hear a poem. Oh, cool. Yeah. You listen to song, it one time. Yeah. Right. They yes. can. Yes. So that's when I started. That's why that's a lot crazy. of my songs. You, you had that thought like you were thinking about because when we were in the spoken word community, one of the reasons why I stopped doing it is literally what you just said. Mm. We couldn't find anyone that could monetize their poetry outside of a live show. Wow. So that means that all these guys have to keep traveling and they still all do travel. They the, the the way to make it as a poet now and back then really was to get into the NACA circle, which is the NACA. National Association for Campus Activities. Wow. College shows, you pull up, do a spoken word set, you make two, three grand and you, you do you know 30 of those a year. And we got wow. to that place of doing like 30 a year. But that's the, really the only way to monetize the spoken word. Whereas right. what you're saying, well, music, music has immense replay value. Right. And that's know? why a lot of my songs, like early on, even like the Dear Gods or, you know, my She Cheated Again, these were just like long form poems on beats mm -hmm. with no hooks. Mm -hmm. So it was a period where people were like, oh, you can't make any hooks because mm -hmm. I would just rap from the beginning mm -hmm. right. to the end, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's how that happened. And I started going more 
towards music. Yeah. Now, how did you end up in L.A.? Um, so initially when I first went to LA it was like six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. Cause I think I can't, oh, wow. Um, what happened was I was graduating mm-hmm. and I was just like, well, this is where people go mm-hmm. to, you know, further their career in music. Like it's like, okay. a, it's like a hub. Wow. Okay. But first I tried to, I was like, you know, before I do that, mm-hmm. I want to, like I need to go there with something. Sure. I was like, if I go there with nothing, I feel like it's a very easy place to lose yourself. Yeah. So I need to build. Yep. So I had a little time frame. I was like, okay, well, I'm graduating. I did an extra semester. Mm-hmm. Had to do an extra semester because of this whole crazy story. All crazy stuff happened there. Uh did an extra semester, but that also helped me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you you were able to graduate in four and a half years? Four and a half. Yeah, respect. So I, like, what did you, you get your degree in? Communications. Oh, okay. Yeah. I started off psychology. Uh-huh. Then it was economics. Yeah. And then at the University of Montana during the sports class, a guy walked in and he said, communication is the single most important thing you do in life. It will like yeah. literally decide whether you're successful or not. Yeah. Yeah. I walked to like my advisor and changed it that day to Got communications. It. Got you. So you finish school, takes you a little longer, and you're like, I'm going to do this music thing. Right. I'm going to LA. Right. And so what... <laughs> What is that like going from elite level basketball finishing school and then you're now you're in LA, which is not a I am not a fan of LA. Not right. That's why, scene, that's why I man. can't even I don't even stay there anymore. It's more yeah. just like when I'm filming a music video, yeah. like I have my stuff out there. Sure. Um, but it was essentially to me, I was so people always tell me like I was in aloof. I'm in my own world. Mm-hmm. So now I think back on myself back then, I'm like, dang, I was really just yeah. out there so essentially i was like you know what this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go to la i already had like a little fan base and you know supporters going yeah i was like for eight months or whatever it is yeah. i'm just going to make sure people see me everywhere i'm just gonna go to i used to go on eventbrite mm. look up music events mm-hmm. and i would go to three or four a night wow and just like show okay. face here go to another one okay go to another one go to another and just yeah. build a little bit of facial recognition yeah like who is this guy and back then i had red and blue hair okay and i'm sort of tall yeah it stood out so you were doing the whole like scene, like you were in the in in the scene around the people, right? You yeah. know, and this is also where like the, the drinking and stuff started building up, yeah. you know, as much more. So I did that for eight months, and you know, I think there's this con- this like misconception where it's like everyone goes to LA and their thoughts are, man, if I could just meet the right person, yeah, yeah, you know. So you're going to all these things trying to meet the right person, right? right. So after eight months of trying to meet the right person, mm-hmm. I looked in the mirror one day and I met myself. Mm. And I was like, I'm the only person who's going to change my life. Yeah. So then this whole thing happened and I ended up writing She Cheated Again, mm-hmm. which was like my breakthrough song. Mm. Now, you are rubbing elbows with a lot of folks already in, in the scene though, like because you end up doing some big records with some big artists. How did that come about? And and was there, because when I, when I looked your stuff up, it, it said that you I guess did work with some labels or didn't work with some labels because I know you're independent now. No, so what happened was I've I've been independent the whole time. Uh-huh. Four months after Dear Alcohol dropped, uh-huh. I signed it to a small uh, label called Records to try and help get it on the radio. Oh, okay, yeah. dope, dope. And so that was just for the single. Yeah, but now I'm also working with them with like Depression and then the one I just dropped to be okay. a man. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Hey, you want to see something crazy? Over 51% of the people who watch this channel are not subscribed. Do me a favor. Please hit that subscribe button and hit the bell notification so you don't miss anything we have going here. I appreciate you. So they do distribution marketing for you. Distribution marketing, record label stuff, playlists help me yeah. like, you know, try to spread the... That's interesting, man, because because a lot of guys who get to the level of virality you have 
at some point usually like do you know who nick d is He's a big TikTok artist. Okay. Uh, it, it's irrelevant. I'll just give you the, the condenser. Good, good friend of mine, he had a record called Fine Apple that took off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Funny like a fine apple. apple. Yeah, yeah. So like he had yeah. he had already a catalog of probably 100 songs before right. that, right? And he finally cracked like the TikTok format, mm. switched up the genre. And so what he did with, with Fine Apple is he did a thing with Universal Republic for just the song. He mm. just let the song go with them. He had a 90-day window clause. He couldn't drop any other music. And then as soon as that 90-day window was over, dude, he just started flooding Spotify mm. every other week. Again, boom, banger after banger. Now he kind of found his. And so it was like the, the major label look allowed everything after that to just go crazy in the mm. Spotify algorithm. And then they kept trying to come back and do an album and do this. And he was like, oh, I'm chilling. Like, I'm wow. good. And now it's like the, the deals he's getting offered are ridiculous. And right. he's like, for what? Like, I could just stay independent. I got the little bump in the algorithm. And and again, who knows how much Universal Republic really did for right. it. You know what I mean? And so so when I was looking at your thing and I and I was looking at your Wikipedia, I was like, oh, maybe something similar happened, but you were just out here just in LA right. grinding. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, this, it, this that's was amazing, up, up, man. Man, it's it's yeah, it's it's hard to really explain. It's like yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and Nick Nick is by the way a, a hooper as well. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's like there's this thing, man, like with guys that do like elite level in one area usually can transfer it over mm. to something else whereas other people from the outside looking in are like well it's just art like it's, right. just, it's just magic it's right. like no no no, yeah. no. It's, it's it's deliberate focus right exactly over a long Discipline. enough time horizon right. you know what i mean and wow. so that's that's dope man so so um what was the first like breakthrough where you're like okay this is a career uh i would say the my song she cheated again she, and that was what year 2016, 2017, or 2017, 2018. It's interesting because your name was in the mainstream right. circle of things. Right. I had, I mean, I had, I had a bunch of other viral songs like Hilly Hilly Clinton, which was a remix, and then the Cash Me Outside song, which was also a remix. Okay. Yeah. That was, that, oh, that was a remix. Right. You sampled her, the Daniel. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. But that, 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 that song really hurt me, man. It did. Not in, the, not, not in like an actual sense in terms of like, so I was still an overnight janitor at Newman University. Uh -huh. And... This is actually why I started saying it's Dax yeah. on all my songs. Mm -hmm. So I dropped that song mm -hmm. and it was going viral on musically. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. talking everybody was mm -hmm. using it, mm -hmm. but no one knew I made it. Mm. And I was just sitting there on break at work. You know, I'm making $7.25 an hour and I'm just like watching everyone use this song and it's going yeah. insanely viral, but no one knows I made it. Yeah. So I'm like finding the emails of these TikTokers like, yo, could you like repost that? But then maybe yeah. like tag me, that's tag like me my song. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I'm yeah. emailing everybody. Some yeah. do, some don't. Yeah. And that was when I started saying, it's Dax, it's yeah. Dax, it's Dax yeah. at the start Smart. of songs, yeah. in the middle songs, yep. before the verse, yep. after the verse. Yep. Like just because I'm like, ah, it's never happening to me again. Wow, that's interesting. And wow. Okay, so this is why you were still in school that that came out. Yeah, I was still in school. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Respect. Now, when you're in LA doing your like really trying to get things off the ground, that eight-month window, how are you able to to sustain yourself before there's that first kind of break financially? I was making money, like in terms of like this, like I've been making like songs. I had, you know, Tupac remixes yeah. and all these different things. You know, I was doing features. Yeah. I was doing stuff. You know what I mean? So money was coming in through like DistroKid? DistroKid is what I was on back okay. then. Yeah. And then, um, and then you're just charging for features as well. Yes, sir. Okay. And... Which was more lucrative, would you say? Like the because I because uh, the distro kid. The distro kid was more lucrative. Yeah. That's okay. I remember I me and my wife, we were newlyweds and we were trying to get out of debt. And uh in the middle of our debt-free journey, we were like, 
I get sued, my accounts get levied, all the money gets taken out of our account. Now, mind what? you, like we're like halfway through. I'm like, this is momentum. You know what I mean? Trying to pay off our student loans, trying to pay off our cars, all that kind wow. of stuff. And I had never done this before. I said, okay, well, I I guess I got to do a feature sale because I've never done a feature sale. And I remember in one week of doing a feature sale, I made more than I did at my job in a month. Wow. You know? And I was like, all right, like I guess there's something here wow. financially right. that like I'm not, I haven't even tapped into. And obviously you don't want to oversaturate and overdo it, but it was right. enough to give me that like positive reinforcement. And then all of a sudden we had some savings back in the bank and it was like, wow. Right. You know, so it's like those moments of like confirmation of like, okay, I'm on the right, right path, path, even though, I, and this, mind you, this is 2011. Wow. So there was no um, Chance the Rapper indie sensation. as a, right. Like there wasn't, there was nothing like that. Russ, that there wasn't nothing like that. But that little boost helped me kept going and then eventually i did quit my job in 2015 and went like independent Amen. and did two two years as an independent um a little longer than that, a couple years as an independent artist um so you seeing that confirmation that 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 like positive reinforcement gives you the wherewithal to keep going and this is all in a relatively condensed time like you've yeah, only been rapping for short. like five years well so now i, st I dropped my first song september 1st I think it was 2016 or 17 now. Okay. It was a Drake One Dance remix. That's the okay. first song I ever dropped. Got you. And you were uh, on Spotify or you it were was on YouTube? On YouTube. Okay. It was a remix. So. And you got a million subscribers on YouTube. Uh, over five a now. Five million? Five million. Okay. I just saw the million plaque on your Instagram like a oh, couple that, weeks ago, right? Did you just get Oh, that, that? was probably for uh, something else. I, I I get balloons and plaques all the, all the time. Respect, I like to celebrate man. numbers. Yeah. But we just That's awesome, bro. Three, over three million on Spotify monthly listeners. Yeah. Wow. And you go from remixes. And when does your first like retail single start coming out? Uh, she cheated again. I was putting some singles out before that. Yeah. It was, uh, I had this one song called like Frenemy and a couple other ones. Uh, Plan B. Mm -hmm. uh, History. Mm -hmm. There was a couple. I, if you, My SoundCloud has hella songs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the real first single that I like really like resonate with was that she cheated again. Gotcha. That was like the first one that I was like, whoa, this is actually possible. Got you. And when did you start turning up with the music videos? Cause you got, uh, I mean, you got oh, a from gang the beginning. of music videos. Yeah. From the beginning. Yeah. I met a guy named Thad Swift. Um, I used to always walk the town West mall and my guy that worked, uh, worked there at Foot Locker showed me a music video of his name was Isaiah mm -hmm. in Wichita. It's my guy. And, uh, I was like, yo, who made that video? It looks fire. I want to use that for like my poetry videos. Mm -hmm. So it was this kid named Thad Swift who lived in Wichita, Kansas. So I go on Facebook, find this guy, and I was like, yo, we're going to change the world. Hit me back. We're going to change the world. Hit me back. <laughs> Exclamation marks. Yeah. He replies back. I'm like, yo, you got to drive down to my school, bro. Drive down yeah. to my school. He's like, all right. So he pulls up. Are you kind of popping at this point already with a bit of an I got, audience? I got a little bit of a following with okay. the poetry. Now I have like different poetry videos because i used to do sure. like motivational speeches yeah. in front of this like picture at my school yeah like a banana motivational all these different things i would literally drop one every day yeah like yeah. i was going crazy back then with those yeah. um so yeah i had a little buzz going poetry wise yeah so he drives down and i'm like yo what can we do like i was like yeah, i don't i don't just stand in front of me and i'll do it in one take what mm -hmm. can you charge me for that mm -hmm. that's how i started doing one take videos because it was the cheapest mm -hmm. way to do what i needed to do mm -hmm. so i would memorize everything mm -hmm. and get it done in one take and it would be super cheap wow yeah and when did it start scaling to where, I mean, these things are, look like movies now. Right. Uh, it started scaling uh, that once I started to move. When did it start scaling? It just, it just always, I've just always been like, man, if I'm, 
So here's a funny thing. Out of all the like the money I make, like 90% goes into marketing music videos. You're just reinvesting everything. Just everything. Wow. It's it's crazy. I You're look like the, the Mr. Beast of indie music. Right. Like I, My business <laughs> managers were like, yo, it's crazy. Like 90, 90% of everything you made went back into it, which wow. is cool. So like literally the one year before I dropped Dear Alcohol, I dropped 22 music videos that year. Mm-hmm. I filmed like 35. So you didn't drop all of them? Didn't drop all of them. Yeah. Just did they just weren't good or you just they not? were great. I just have this thing where I want a music video for every single song I've made. Yes. That's that's my goal. I because yeah. I don't make throwaway songs. Sure. If I if I have it on an album, it's it needs a music video. Right, right. So like, you know, I just do that. So it's been scaling. It's always been scaling. Yeah. I, I wanna make bigger music videos, yeah. you know? Yeah. When did it scale to the point where now you have a, a business manager, a right. lawyer, right? Like when did um, that click? Cause cause it's one thing to be like, yo, I'm leveraging social media and I'm dropping right. amazing things and they're going viral and they're and they're making some money, but like you have infrastructure now, it seems right. like right. Honestly, that started early. I had I had the uh business manager and stuff like that when I wasn't even really making that much. It was just sort of like something to install in place, you know? Okay. But but I mean, again, average person listens to this independent. Right. They're they're getting a little bit of buzz. Right. Well, how do you find these people or do they find you? Well, so I have a manager. Okay. And then she She kind of connects right, the right, pieces right. of lawyer business manager all these other right. people and they're kind of overseeing a lot of the accounting and, and what's coming right. in and what's going on what's exactly. being spent that's dope man right that's dope so it really seems like the, the the way the music popped off was the same old like put a song a week out consistently drop not not like that <laughs> exact formula right. but the consistency of great songs consistently coming out with great content right and Doing it over a long enough time horizon. Right. I think for me, it's like, I always tell people, it's like, I don't make music, I think music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so for example, Hilly Hilly Clinton went viral. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time it was Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, designer dropped Timmy, Timmy, Timmy Turner. Uh-huh. You know, so I'm walking, I used to take these mental health walks mm-hmm. to the mall. And all of a sudden I start going, Hilly 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 Clinton, mm-hmm. lots of Trump and now we tripping. Thank God I got a passport. <laughs> a couple months I'm going miss. Yeah. right back to Canada because it's violent, looting and riots. Why aren't they wilding? Yeah. Democratic party crying. All the Republicans smiling. Yeah. So it's like it was centered around the election. Yes. So I knew yeah. it was going to go viral. Yeah. So I always tell people it's like I don't randomly make songs and hope something's going to blow up. Yep. When I start writing something, I know what's going to happen. And the only reason something doesn't happen is like, yeah. okay, well, maybe... People didn't mess with it as much. Sure. But essentially everything I make, because it's about something, yeah. you know, is yeah. going to do well. So yeah. it's like, it is the thing of a one, you know, let me just put out songs and songs and songs, but it's like, who cares about that song? Yeah. It's the aspect of the 10,000 hour rule that mm. people forget, which is, you know, 10,000 hour rule, do anything for 10,000 hours. You can be an expert at something. Right. But they, what they often miss is, 10,000 deliberate hours. Right. You got to be deliberate with it. Exactly. So you're thinking of the end consumer. Exactly. It's exactly like you said. For example, like, you know, Ray Allen, game shots from game spots at game speed. Mm-hmm. You know, with my music, it's like I don't just drop random music. Right. That's dope, man. I think the tough part, I think, for people is that they want to just be artists mm. and, and, and that is all. But you're saying, no, no, you got a consumer. You got a consumer on the end of that. And you right. gotta you gotta think about what they're into and what right. they're considering and what they're what the zeitgeist of the of the era the culture is right now right. to to make sure that that person receives whatever right. it is you're offering. And that's that's the poetry mindset, you know. Like I don't I've never written anything random, you know. So it's like 
you got like people have their own lives. You ever heard the word Saunders? Like, you know, everyone's living their own life outside of you, but sometimes people forget that, hmm. you know? So for me, it's like, why would this person who has their own life, their own set of problems, even take the time to listen to me? What am I providing to them? Yeah. Like I'm in service to you. It's like, yes. I'm the janitor and I'm, I'm trying to clean up and I'm, I'm in service to everyone listening. Yes. So I can't just drop some random song as an independent, you know, artist and just be like, Oh, you should listen. Yeah. It's like, what is this song going to do for you? Yeah. Yeah. And what do you, you hope know? your songs do for people? Make an impact. You know, for example, they make an impact on me first. Like I spend more time with my songs than anybody. Mm. Like I listen to my music more than anybody in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, so for example, for me, Dear Alcohol, for me was first to get me stop drinking. Yeah. And it was like sent to me by God. And when it was made, I was like, wow, this is a sign. I got to stop doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a month of me listening to that song yeah. or like maybe two months and drinking to it. Yeah. Also knowing like, wow, this like journey with drinking every day is coming to an end. Yeah. Because once this song comes out, I got to change. Yeah. So I'm drinking to that song. Yeah. Getting ready. Yeah. To stop drinking. So it was for me, like I make my songs for me first. Yeah. yeah. And then they get to the people and then it sort of changes for me. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, now everyone has it. And but that's the value in the art right. because you're actually providing something that can motivate people to do something right. different in their life. Right. You know, on top of it being a cool soundtrack and maybe a degree of escapism or whatever, which is what a lot of media is now, but there's an actual value proposition for the consumer mm. to say, this is my this is my anthem and it's helping me get See, and clean. you said soundtrack right there. Yeah. So like, I think what makes me different than a lot of, you know, artists is that like, I never wanted to be a music artist. I started at 22. Mm -hmm. I never ever wanted to be famous or in the public eye or anything like that, you mm -hmm. know? So I've listened to music as a average music listener mm -hmm. my whole life. I've never been to a concert. Mm -hmm. Mine was the first one I went to. <laughs> I love that. You know? <laughs> so I like music was always just literally, I used to say it's a soundtrack to my life while yeah. I'm hooping. Yeah. So like I always wished I had like, I wish I would have had my music when I was working out in yeah, the gym back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, That was saying these things that, like, right. my self-proclaimed series and all this motivational right, right, stuff. Right. But, like, I would just listen to, you know, the the motivational speakers yep. before I would, like, work out to get that, ah, you know, E.T., the hip-hop yep. preacher. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. yep. So, like, it's sort of that for me. Like, my music is a soundtrack to my life. And, you know, in life you have these things. You may have struggled with alcohol. Yeah. You know, you may have struggles with a girl. Yeah. You may have struggles with faith. Yeah. So these songs are the soundtrack. Yes to my life, yes. and I'm just praying people relate. That's so good. It's a paradigm shift in terms of how art is usually made, right? Because mm. the, the, the perception is art is for you. I'm making the art for me, and it's about me and what I want, and you're saying, no, 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 it's about the people. Right. And I think that's why you're success so successful. Right. I think you're, con you're considering that. Um, you did the tour with Tech 9 and I was just always curious. Legendary. Uh, 100, was it 100 shows? Was it 100 shows in a year or so 100 it, shows on that tour? It was 65 shows on that tour. Then right after that, I did my own American and own Canadian. Yeah. So that year, my first year of touring, I did 100 shows. What was the turnout when you pivoted from Tech to your own shows? It was, it was, it was amazing in terms of my experience and knowing what I should do. I wouldn't say the, you know... There wasn't a crazy amount of people. Yeah. What would, what was the average Dax headlining show like? Right after the Tech Nine tour, there were some places that had like maybe two hundred. Okay. And what was on the low end, like the smallest? Man, there were some places where it was like fifty. Yeah. That's good though. You know, bro, we performed <laughs> right. four people. Wow. You know what I mean? And folks would cancel if it was not. We going to show up and, wow. and do four people. You know. So you was doing fifty to two hundred as a headliner. After that, that on, tour, yeah. on your own, but it was some. That's some. I'd say the average was probably like a hundred to one hundred and fifty. Yeah, that's solid. That's solid. Now, you said that there was. You learned a whole lot from that tech tour. Mm -hmm. 
what were the rules on the tech tour? Because everybody talks about these rules and how right. militant they are, which you said you you was able to flourish in because right. you're naturally more like that, right? Right. Probably because of your sports background. Right. What were some of those rules on the tech tour? Um, Like no smoking on the bus and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But I don't, I've never done any drugs, so that was easy for me. Yeah. Um, what else was there? I don't even know. I didn't... Like I was, I was listening during the meeting, but I was always just like, I don't do anything, so I'm gonna be fine. You know, like <laughs> I got like, and then there was like, okay, no, like girls backstage or anything, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. It's pretty basic. Don't it's like go off stuff. of don't. It's it's really not that. It's like, just rappers don't like right basic structure. <laughs> rappers, what do you mean? That's why I when can't you, get high on the bus. When Travis was reading, I was like. It's common sense, but it sounds like you know, like like <laughs> basketball. I'm just chilling, you know. You get drug tested while you're yeah. playing in college. It's like okay, yeah. But so yeah, to me it was it was dope. What do you think there is if if you had to take a a guess, like at the industry, right? What do you think there is about Hollywood media, entertainment, hip hop that has this dark element to it, where basic stuff that you said this basic stuff we did in basketball, bro, but. You hear about these other artists that are like, no, nah, man, you can't tell me, you know, and getting kicked off the tour or leaving the tour. Mm. What do you think that is about that that scene? That that just seems like it's it's like the upside down. Like it's just would some stuff is just backwards. Right. I think um just the idea of standing on a stage and having people like, you know, watching you while you're up there. Yeah. It's very like it's it's not normal. Yeah. Even just like, you know, having a phone to your face is not normal. Yeah. And I think a lot of the like like there's an escapism where it's like you wanna you wanna get away. Like you don't wanna actually mentally fully be there because not only is it like nerve wracking, you know, mm-hmm. you're nervous and all these things. Yeah. So it's like you end up doing substances to escape. Mm. Yeah. You know, from the reality. Even though the reality is like, you know, quote unquote it's dope. Yeah. But you don't wanna just like be there sober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, when you go to the club, you're just gonna like I remember, like, when I was uh, trying, like, I went to the club a couple times back when I used to go out. I was like, man, let me just try, like, not drinking here. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, this doesn't this doesn't even make sense. It's not as cool when sober. you're not drinking, yeah. It, it literally, <laughs> you look around. Music's too loud. You can't like, really have a conversation. Right, like, what's, yeah. what's really, like, so I think it's almost like that in the music stuff because, there's, you know, everything's such easily accessible. Mm-hmm. But without anything, like, yeah. altering your brain, you almost start looking at it like, yeah, wait, hold up. Yeah. Do you think there's anything going on in the in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm of just the 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 scriptures talk about like there's the prince of the air? Mm. You know what I mean? Do you think have you seen some of that kind of stuff? I think there's definitely a lot. Of, I think there's spiritual warfare going on for sure. Yeah. Um, I've always been on the outside of the industry looking in. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not in any of the places like yeah. where people say quote unquote this that yeah. that. I've never seen anything or been yeah. put in a situation like that. Yeah. But I think you know there's there's stuff going on you know and i i the end times are here i'm I'm just i'm gonna be complete completely honest you know and uh yeah it's crazy yeah yeah um you wrote the song dear god yes sir which is when people really started like because i already knew who you were but people were like yo check out dear god check out Dear. you should reach out to dax Mm -hmm. and i was like okay like this is this is cool you know that you're thinking about these things i always find it interesting when artists that that don't overtly brand themselves as Christians hmm. are having these thoughts and these ideas, and then you did the response, it was almost like a response to to Dear God. It felt like, or I don't was know, that it was Child that, of God, Child of God, okay. right? Which was felt like the release, right? Dear God so was that, questions, Child of God was statements, right? And would you say that was kind of the? Would you say you've always maintained a degree of faith in God, 
Or would you say that was when, after you got sober and all these things started right. happening, the art and and you asking questions and then doing the responses and all, and you kind of start being more aware of who God is? For me personally, I've never personally questioned God. Okay. People like see my Dear God song, but they like, you know, I think they missed the fact even in the beginning, I'm like, you know, I believe sometimes it gets hard. Mm -hmm. So essentially to me, Dear God is like, you know, I feel like everyone who believes in God, they're, you know, taught that at one point they get to a certain point where they ask questions and then they have to make a decision as to not whether or not they're going to continue or not. Mm -hmm. You know, so I felt like Dear God was essentially giving every single question one might have mm -hmm. and letting them know it's okay to have these questions. Mm -hmm. For me with God, just, you know, you meet my mother, you'll see she's praying all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and just like as I've grown older, the way my brain works, I've always thought of things logically and I've always just been like, okay, so, you know, everything has, you know, we accept everything that has a creator, this, mm -hmm. someone created this shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was just like, as a kid, this was around 11 when I just started doing all stuff. I was like, okay, well, if everything has a creator, well then I'm like, human beings are the most intricate and most complicated thing. Yeah. So something had to make us. Yeah. If I, if I'm going to believe something made this basketball. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was my just like, there has to be a God. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just always stuck to that. And that's yeah. my explanation whenever someone asks. So I've never really questioned it, you know, and and then it's the, the, uh, they call it the fine tuning theory. Hmm. When you, when you really look at how intricate the universe is right. to, to the detail of your eyeball and all that kind of stuff, you go, th this, it is impossible that something this deliberate and this fine tuned right. could have came without a creator behind right. it sometimes as a creator yourself as a, as an artist yourself you know that like wait a minute, wait a minute this came together but it almost feels like something other worldly like inspires you to create you know right. so you're like you know whether we call it flow state or whatever you right. know you know that there's something happening right and i don't mean to be like in a weird like oh you go into trance but you could just feel this like aspect even though our conversation right now like there's this that we're creating something in real time, right. you know, and it, and you go, yeah, that 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 doesn't happen on accident. Like there's right. something behind that, right? The know? world is creation. Everything is like that's what okay. the world is. Everything, like even creating a child, like yep. we all we all create. Yes, every single day. Yes, so something created us. Yeah, and there's you can't tell me it was just some randomness, right? You know, right. so that's that's me and God right there. Um, so yeah, me personally, I know a lot of people probably think I've had like questions with my faith, but I haven't. Yeah. And uh, growing up as a kid. I would always speak and people would always be like, yo, I was just thinking that. Mm -hmm. I would like talk in the car, I'd say something, I'd be like, that's crazy, I was just thinking that. Mm -hmm. So I've always like sort of spoken yeah. for people, yeah. you know, which is why the hardest part for me sometimes with music is like choosing what type of pronouns I'm going to use mm -hmm. in terms of like personal pronouns mm -hmm. or general, mm -hmm. I or you. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you sounds weird. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you sounds like you're yelling at the listener. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas I or we sounds like I am processing this externally. Right. By the way, there's a strong message to this. Exactly. And yeah. then I also like saying I, you know, obviously there are some songs that are about my life or whatever it is, mm -hmm. but I like to say I, so that way anyone singing along, mm -hmm. it becomes an affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. I think the tough part for people to process about art in general is that there are times where you may be embellishing, you know, right. and it's not in a, I'm trying to be deceptive. It's in trying to capture a moment so that other people can relate to it. Right. So that the truth can be, packaged into it right. right and i think sometimes people can kind of struggle with like how literal is are those questions that you're asking in that right. song where you're like no, no no you don't get it i'm actually writing for the consumer right. and asking questions people actually have right. about god in an attempt to communicate and build common ground with them amen that's dope so tell me um where i, I you said your new year's resolution or one of your goals 
2022 was to go to church more. Right. Um, I, I think you said that was on a bootleg Kev. Um, how was that going? I know you said you popped into a couple churches here and there. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, I went to church home. Church home, yeah. Shout out to Judah, Judah Smith. right? So yeah. I went there. So I, I accomplished that goal in 2022. I think you, I only you went, went once. I think I went twice. Okay, twice. That's, <laughs> hey, that's a start, baby. I'll take it. Let's go. I'm not, I'm not in LA all the time. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. you know, I hit that. Yeah. Um, that was great. Haven't been yet this year, but yeah. I will. My mom will make sure of it. Yeah. Um, Where are you normally up in north of LA? Uh, I'm, I'm normally. I'm, I'm normally. Uh, Honestly, it's all. It depends on where the music video is being shot. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, you know, um, where are you at with Jesus? Because because that's a, some people would say about God, but like, where are you at Jesus? The resurrection, all that good. That's stuff. my guy. Yeah, that's that's the guy. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you believe the resurrection of Jesus bodily that that actually happened? Yeah, I believe. I believe event. that there was a there was a man by the name of Jesus. Yeah. Did did he die for your sins and yes, rise from the grave? I believe all that. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It's you've also been kind of like, man. I I believe, but I'm I I wrestle with the idea of like organized religion. Right. I I that's that's the one thing that that's hard for me. It's like belief for me is easy. You know. I don't I I don't like the fact that you know, you know, there's ten thousand different religions. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you know, it's the game of telephone. And if one religion doesn't necessarily fit to the confines of what you may think is right or wrong, you're going to alter it mm -hmm. and create your own, which is why there's so many. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing I struggle about with religion. Yeah. Is that it's like, it, it is man, it's, it's man-made at this point because there's so many different man-made religions, mm -hmm. you know? And... Do you think that's what kind of prevents you from wanting to to press deeper into church and community and being around more more uh, more followers of Jesus? Not necessarily. I've always just, you know, I just, I really don't go out that much, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, I, I like church, you know? Yeah. Especially like, you know, Judah's a great speaker. I tell, yeah. I tell him, I tell him, all, I'm like, yo, what you're saying is actually dope. Like, I actually like listening. Yeah. yeah. You know, I grew up in Catholic church where it was like, you know, yeah, Father yeah, yeah. Frank, and it was like, <laughs> he's like, hey, bro, how yeah. long is this? I'm trying not to pass out during yeah. the, you know, the 20 minute like yep. sermon part. Yep. Yep. So, you know, like I like I like hearing dope content be spoken to me because I like to learn from it. Yeah. Well, you're also thinking of it from a creative standpoint right. as well, right? Because you're like, oh, okay, like, oh, that story hits. Right. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm the same way where, you know, and, and I could do this. I've, I've done this to a fault where I can just become like a, a preacher junkie. Like I'll mm. like dive deep. You know what I mean? But right. that, that's not always helpful either because right. like you're supposed to take it and apply it and implement it into your right. life, you know? Um that's awesome, man. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see like where all of this takes you. Mm. You know, um, I'm, I'm excited to see you more be, be more overt about your faith mm. online. I feel like I've seen that just, just from the, the window we've been following each other on Instagram. Like I feel like even just in that window, I see you be more and more overt. And I don't know if that's intentional or not, but even in the music stuff, it seems mm. like you're, you're, um, you're so vulnerable in the art. You know, but I feel like you saying these things, I think is going to help a lot of these kids that are like, they, they need, they need to think about this in a different way. And it may not come from a Christian rapper and that's not, and that's no, di or it may not even come from someone like me, you know what I mean? That makes overtly Christian content. It mm. may be like, you're the on-ramp 
they might see you, see you on an interview like this and then go down a rabbit hole and get, oh, and then, you know, get into a pastor, get into a church. You know what right. I mean? And I think that's that's dope because I think the, 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 the fallacy that the fans have is they're going to be like, all right, cool. So Dax, when are you making Christian rap music now? Right. And when is all the, <laughs> we don't want no more profanity. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, See, and, and I don't even, I, I, that's why it's hard because I'm never going to put myself inside of a box. That's why like, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll put like on a heading for a TikTok, oh, yeah. Uh, recording a rapper who believes in God, yeah. or record, you know what I mean. I yeah. do, I do stuff like that. Like I've always been like I love, I love saying God, and yeah. you know, my goal has always been to grow while also glorifying God's name. Yeah, you know, my mom's on me about that, so I'm always big on that. Yeah. Um, How does your mom feel about everything you do now? Oh, she loves it. Yeah, she loves it. She's happy that I'm making you know positive based music, yeah. glorifying God's name. All we talk about is God, literally. So yeah. it's just usually just about you know make sure you're still praying and glorifying God's name as you continue to grow. Yeah, and you know mention Him and putting Him in the forefront and all these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I feel like that the the scene, like I've never co- like called myself in any type of. I don't even like the word rapper. You know, mm-hmm. I just like the word artist. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I think in that space, people get hung up on cuss words. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. which to me is laughable because I feel like a cuss word is a curse word. Mm-hmm. I feel like you don't need to say the f word to curse somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I even feel like the like you know I don't want to cuss here but you know like you, the, you already the, did bro it's all good when, oh yeah in the, yeah, in the yeah. beginning good, I said, I, the, the poop right we don't we don't <laughs> censor or edit people okay here. but so yeah. for me it's like this man like the word the, the b word is even just a new term mm-hmm. that came in like the 1800s mm-hmm. i like i have this theory that you know cursing somebody is isn't a word mm-hmm. it's what you're saying yeah yeah you know, if I look at it, if I look at a child who's growing up and I'm their parent mm-hmm. and I say, you're never going to be anything, mm-hmm. you're never going to be anything, you're never going to amount to anything, you're yeah. never going to create anything that's a value, you hold no value in this world. You're cursing yeah. that child. Yeah, that's a fact. I think that's yeah. what cursing means. Yeah. Not, I just randomly say an F word. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, we just had this conversation with Tim Ross yesterday because mm. they like let something slide in a in a pod and it caught a bu- bunch of backlash. Right. I I agree with you. I think what you're defining is exactly it. And I'll give you kind of two ways that I think about it. One, um, you're right in that Ephesians says, "Let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth, mm. but that which is edifying and building up people." Let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth. Wow. So that's kind of what you're getting at. Jesus said, "We'll give an account for every word that comes out of our mouth." So that's even like crazy. Mm. So I think the beautiful part about the gospel is that we look at it and we're trying to we're trying to like grade humanity on a curve, right? Right? We're like, well, I, at least I ain't Hitler, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> at least I ain't. I ain't a pedophile. Like, right. where do we do that? We play that game. Right. And, <laughs> right? Right? Well, at least I'm not... Right. Right. And, 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 but Jesus comes and goes, man, if you've lusted after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. Right. If you've, if you've hated your brother, you've, you've committed murder. Right? Wow. Uh, and then again, every word. We talking about the F word and the B. Right. Right, right. No, no, no. These are new terms. You yeah. Know? Like, like, like recent terms. Anything that comes out of your mouth, you're going to have to give an account. Let nothing unwholesome part. So I think... The beautiful part about the gospel is that the standard, God's standard is actually way higher than like, don't be Hitler. Right. You know what I mean? Like, don't be that, don't be, don't be. No, 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 it's actually way higher. And the beautiful part about the 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 gospel is that Jesus comes and deals with all of it and 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 lives the life we couldn't live, dies the death we should have died on, on the cross in our place, and then goes, place your faith in me. Right. Oh, and I'll give you a new heart and new desires and, and the things you used to hate. Now you love. I used to hate church and reading the Bible. Like these were not friendly things. 
and now I, I love it. And the things I used to love, sin, the world, all these things. Now I'm like, ugh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want nothing to do with these things. Wow. And so I think that's the beautiful part about all of it is, is it's actually the, the standard is actually way higher, but the grace is way bigger. Mm. You know, like Ooh. the grace is even bigger than we could imagine. And I think people people wrestle with that because we naturally, we want to grade everybody on a curve. Right. We, we we always think about somebody that's a little worse than us. Instead of saying, no, 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 no. Just like on our own devices, bro, we're pretty jacked up people, right? right? Like we're pretty wicked people. And that's why we need grace. Like that's why we need the mercy of God. Now, in terms of profanity and in my life, so it's like there's there's that, right? So I don't, I don't trip about any of that kind of stuff. In my life, what happened was I put out an album in uh, 2015 called Do For One. And the con it was like a concept album from the premise of someone who becomes successful and they lose their faith in the process. And it's oh, wow. not necessarily from my point of view, but they, we, we had some profanity. We took it out. And I was kind of saying a lot of the same stuff. Like I was literally, I said the same thing you said in an interview, right? And it went like super viral in, in the in the Christian rap world, and and I'm and I'm like the Christ, the cussing Christian, rap, you know what I mean? Like, and so I had to I had to think of a couple things. Like, is this the hill I want to die on? But more importantly, I had my son who mm. who was like one or two at the time. My daughter's two now; he's eight now. And I had to like deal with like, do I want to have to compartmentalize who I am for my family mm. versus how I am on music versus how I am with the boys and how I talk at a right. UFC fight and a boxing, you know, like, right. because now I'm taking my son to go see the fight at the homie's house. Right. And I was like, man, I want to be congruent. The, the root word of integrity is integer, meaning one, mm, I want to be that. the same person. And so the language aspect is just something that like, man, I don't ever want to be hanging out with Dax or hanging out with Zach. We're having fun. We're just being boys. And then and then I didn't say it and, and say that in front of my son. And it's totally different mm. when your kids do it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's, to, it's totally different when your kids do it. And so that's kind of like, I, the more, here's, here's a simple way to define all that. I know I said a whole lot, so forgive me. The more responsibility you gain, the less freedom you have. The more responsibility. Agreed. The, the I am responsible to be the financial provider for my household. That means I do not have the freedom right. to sleep in late. Right. Right. I am financially responsible. Therefore, I don't have as much freedom. Right. I am the father of my kid. That means I don't have the same freedom. And the the more responsibility I have, I'm okay with letting certain right. liberties die. Um, because I don't think I need to be defined by those things. And the more I let those things die, the more God continues showing right. them. And it's a process, man. I'm not no. going to sit and here. I and I agree. Like, like I'm, I'm like, an angel. You know what I mean? Right. Like I definitely have my issues and I'm wrestling with stuff, but right. I'm waging war on my sin right. to, to by, the gra by the grace, again, not my works, but by the grace of God becoming hopefully more conformed. And people see me, they go, man, you, you're different than you were a year ago. Right. You know what I mean? I honestly completely wholeheartedly agree. I even say like with me, like I used to cuss more in songs, you know, but now it's like, you know the dear. I have a lot of songs where I don't cuss, like Dear Alcohol, To Be Managed. Those are obviously don't cuss. In yeah, those songs. Top, your top like when I was looking at your Spotify, your top couple records don't have. Yeah, I don't have. Profanity. They don't cuss, it's profanity. really more of the the rap stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I feel like uh, yeah. It's just to me, it's just it, I I think it's a topic because it's something that's like palpable. Yeah. You know, like when people are like, though, I don't really know the Christian rap scene or whatever it is, but it's like something you can actually be like, oh, he did that wrong. So I can hold it. Yes. You know, well, whereas well, they like, could label you. Now they could label you. Exactly. And they can dismiss you. And the moment right. there's a label on you, well, right. you know what I mean? That's why I never even just like, you know, I, I, I refuse to live in that world. Yeah. Where it's like, I got to worry about 
Yeah. And, and, and people get mad at me because a lot of times I'll tell people like, it's going to sound real bad. Like we don't need more Christian rappers. Right. Like we need more Christians who are going to go and make art. Right. And, and build that relationship with the rapport. And, and, and as they are pursuing Jesus, the overflow of that is going to impact their art and it's right. going to look different and it's going to be a journey for them. And that's just as important as like, let's make music for Christian kids so they have something clean and Christian to listen. Like that's good too. Right. There's a time and a place for that. Right. But I, but I think, but I think we need both. And so, um, I appreciate, I appreciate you being vulnerable about this stuff, man. Like I think it's, it's, it's super dope, um, for you to even want to come on a channel like this, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And, and be, be willing to share this stuff where, uh, some people might be like, yo, I don't know about, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all, I just, I like, like speaking, you know what I mean? I always say like, I've always felt like, I, you know, I don't have any bad intentions. So it's like, even if I do say some, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't mean to hurt nobody. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Guys, we're going to go over to our Patreon exclusive segment. I'm going to ask Dax two more, two more questions. I'm going to ask, what is the biggest misconception about him? Mm. And what was it like working with Trippy Red? And just all of his relationships in the industry, he's been going crazy if you guys don't know. So um, join us over there. All right. Hey, if you enjoyed this video and you want to see the full extended version of this podcast, be sure to sign up for our Patreon community for only $5 a month. It'll really help us continue contextualizing the gospel using YouTube, media, and podcasting. And in exchange, you will get full unedited versions of the podcast, of our daily after-party streams, a discount for our merch store, and exclusive access to our private Discord server. It's only $5 a month. The link for Patreon is in the description of this video, as well as the pinned comment below. Again, hit the link in the description, sign up now, and I'll see you over there, all right? Peace.